Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 198. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Talkspace.com, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. You'll hear more. Blah, 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 blah. Great ad. Oh, I'm sure they're thrilled. Oh, I love the end when you just don't speak English anymore. You don't speak any language, actually. You just lose control of your mouth. If only all of our advertisements could go as well as that. Thank you, Jen. Anyway, you'll hear more about Talkspace later. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? Now, listen, I know I told you last episode that I've been recording some of these in advance. Well, this is also recorded in advance. On advance. I'm actually recording it right after the one that I already taped. And here's the thing. I'm just trying to get ahead. So by the time you hear this, I'll have gone on my silent retreat, but I figured... I'm getting back on Tuesday. I'm not going to want to record an episode right when I get back. Of all things, I probably will. I'll be like, I've been dying to talk, but I know I'll be busy because it's a weekday. Everybody's working for the weekend and it's the uh, one of the weekdays before Labor Day and that's just when I have to get all my work done because all of Team Jen is like, get your pitch in, do this, let's do that. So I'm going to do stuff. Stuff to do, you guys. So this is an advance. So if Trump resigned, that's why I'm not commenting on it because I don't know yet. Now, I have a feeling that the weekend he went to Camp David, they were like, you got to resign. Pence is president now. And uh, they'll be like, you do it when you want. But, you know, I've tweeted that, though. I just want to be right. I just think it would be fun. I don't like taking world politics very casually, but like if he resigns, I can be like, I called it. Why is that so important to me? Don't I have a life? I'm a successful woman with a podcast and a tour and a necklace line that comes out September 4th and a so much in my life. And I want to be right about the president resigning. Yes. I want it all. Can't a woman have it all? Ugh. Yeah, there's so many. So last week I was like, hey, have you guys heard about that guy with the ghost story on Twitter? And then I didn't even get into it. So we'll talk about that today. My thoughts on that. Um, I found an article about how your child isn't special and how other cultures treat their kids as opposed to us. They beat them with sticks. I'm just kidding. And then, oh, I found some, you know how I used to read the New York Times vows. Um, I stopped my subscription to the Sunday Times. What? I thought you were neoliberal. I just didn't like some of the, I read some of the political articles online, but I was just, I know I should listen. I'm not going to get into it because I just thought some of the Hillary bashing email articles, it was just too much. And now we have Trump and I feel like, you know what? 
I just don't like it. And I know that I should pay for the media that I believe in, but I don't know. It's, it's going to be a little while before I go back. Anyway, but I have an article that I got from them from the New York Times online about, um, you know, wedding announcement of a 94-year-old man and a 98-year-old woman or, you know, whatever. Those are the two ages. I don't know who's the man, who's the woman. Um, I thought that would be fun to talk about. I have to pee. Oh, I don't want to pee with you guys here. Okay, let me play you something while I pee. Sorry, guys. I should have peed in between episodes. I was drinking all that tea. What can I play? Oh, I'll play. I love Norm MacDonald. I'll play some of his new Netflix special while I pee. Is this illegal? I bet it is. Who cares? Um... So, how are you guys doing? Okay. Uh, oh my God, I'm boring myself. I think this is going to be a good episode, but... But I have to pee first, okay? Okay, hang on. Can you hear it? I mean, anyways, you know, I ruminated about it. Days and days and nights. Sleepless weeks. Oh, here it is. Sorry. Erotic asphyxiation. It's a big fancy word. No one knows. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Sorry. I just think this is so funny. This might be the worst thing I've ever done to you guys. Oh, here it is. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. I'm going to pee. suicide no one ever understands you know what I mean people commit suicide people go I don't I don't understand why and I go you don't <laughs> well you live in a cotton candy house or something what the fuck you don't know about life how it only disappoints and gets worse and worse until it ends in a catastrophe Oh my god, I love Norm MacDonald and I love that bit. Ugh. Sorry, okay. Yeah, I peed that fast. Alright. Ah. I'm gonna put more tea in my toot. Alright. So anyway, here's the deal. I'm coming on tour. I don't know what the ticket sales are because I'm taping this in advance. But last we checked, San Francisco and Brooklyn were selling out pretty fast. I'm coming to the West Coast. Uh, it's my first stop. So September 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th is San Francisco, Seattle, Vancouver, and Portland, Oregon. Not in that order. Um, I'm really shocked that San Francisco's selling out. I'm really proud of you guys. Thank you. You know, I think we've made up for our sins of the past where that one year uh, my shows weren't sold out and you guys were like, I'm on the couch. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm excited for this tour. It's a little bit flying by the seat of my pants. Like the material is really, really new. Like I'm not going to rip you off. You guys are going to laugh, but it's not like totally work. Like if you haven't seen me before, you might be like, oh, she's not like a comedian comedian that does jokes. Like it's really loose. It's just a lot of like, it's stories that don't have a ton of jokes. I mean, and they're funny though. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just not like I wouldn't put this on a special right now. Does that make sense? Um, I guess that's how I toured last year or last time and it became the special I have now. I just, I guess I just forgot what it looked like. Um, I guess I just forgot what it looked like. I, I think this is how it always looks where it's like some stuff has hardened punchlines and some stuff is uh, just, we're going to have to find them as I go, but it's very funny and I really love all the material I'm doing and I have a plethora of material. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Some cities that didn't see my book tour show are going to see a lot from that. So the 10 cities I was in last year, like Brooklyn, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, Minneapolis, like you guys are getting all new, but like Columbus, Cleveland, they didn't see a lot of my book tour show that like stories about growing up in nuclear war. So actually you guys, um, well, that's more polished, but anyway, everything is going to be great. I am multi-talented. Huh. Oh, I'm going to plug myself. I'm going to say I suck. Come see me. So I love when you guys talk to me on the Facebook fan page, go to facebook.com slash I seem fun podcast and write comments to me or each other. Twitter, same thing. Twitter.com slash I seem fun podcast. I do check both accounts personally. Send an email at I seem fun podcast. Oh no, that's the Twitter. Uh, Gmail. I seem fun podcast at gmail.com. I do read most of them. Uh, uh, and read most of them on air, but they don't get checked too, too often. Um, and I do a listener email episode maybe once a month and then sprinkle in listener emails uh, within some episodes. Oh, so I'm going to read some of the comments from the Facebook fan page about, uh, I read that article about iced coffee urine. Now, some of you have like medical reasons and eh, shit that you're drinking iced coffee. And I actually... When I, you know, I had to cut down on the acidity when I was doing my vocal shit and I still will when I'm on tour, but you guys were saying cold brew helps with acidity and it sure does. I just don't like it. I don't like it. But there is a Trader Joe's coffee that says low acidity on the packaging and I will buy that and make that at home. But I also do, my acid reflux doctor, vocal doctor was like, look, if you have to give up something. You know, if, if there's one thing you can't give up, you know, you can have that. And I was like, yeah, I need to have at least a half a cup of coffee every morning. Like I can go without alcohol, but I can't go without coffee. Um, okay. So one woman said, this is all from the, uh, facebook.com slash I seem fun page. So this is, they were writing this under episode 196. Um, this woman said, I drink hot and cold coffee all year round. However, depending on what type of mood I'm in deciphers, which temperature coffee I drink when I want something to wake me up, I drink hot coffee, but when I just want the coffee taste, I'll drink it cold. Wait, what? I don't think it has a taste. And then I guess I asked, asked what FOMO meant in one of the episodes and the people were telling me it's fear of missing out, which I think I have heard of that. A woman named Emily wrote, hot coffee all year round. Thirsty? Get a water with your coffee. I wonder if she's from Boston. 
No, she's in uh, Vancouver. And she said, also drinking a hot beverage when it's hot out can actually help cool your body temperature. That's true. Um, this woman was responding to the article about millennials are saving libraries. This is from Lisa. Lisa says, I am a public librarian and I can vouch for millennials using libraries. They're everywhere. Also, they are a thousand times nicer than the boomers. Those patrons are usually super entitled and rude as fuck to us librarians. I always want to respond with, I'm sorry our free services aren't good enough for you. They also like to tell me they pay my salary. And I always say, well, by that logic, I pay my own salary since I too am a taxpayer. Who are these biatches coming into the library up in that shit? I also went to the library after school most days, and look at me now. I fucking work in one. So there's that. It seems fun to me anyway. I love libraries. Love it. Also, I've never read Harry Potter or seen the movies and don't care to. This freaks people out. Finally, I am iced coffee all the time. If I was in Antarctica, maybe I'd consider hot coffee, but otherwise, I'm always running warm, so I only like cold drinks. See you in San Francisco on the 6th. Yes, bitch. By the way, in Antarctica, you'd probably want an iced coffee because it's melting. It's hot there. (laughs) That's fun. Paul says, I drink cold brew year round because lower acidity is easier in my stomach. True that. Ellen says, hot coffee for life. Iced coffee is bogus. I live in Texas where it is 112 degrees and I drink hot coffee exclusively. Because you're a badass bitch. Um, Julianne says, I drink cold coffee most of the time now since being diagnosed with rosacea. I found it was one of my triggers that made my face break out. I make my own cold brew, but drink hot when I space out and forget. Yes, heat on my face makes my melasma come out. What is that? You say it's a hormonal rash on the face. Pregnant women get it, but I will sometimes get these sort of like brown spots and I'm like, oh, hell no. But it's not hot drinks for me. It's heat. And then wine can exacerbate it too. So, um, but like sometimes I can have like, you know, I like a couple times a week have glasses of wine and nothing happens. And then just one time I'll have a glass of wine and I'm like, oh, my hormones must not be able to handle it. So, um, Justin says, I am not a fan of iced coffee and I never liked making it when I was a barista. Look how fun it is when you guys weigh in, in, uh, Okay. So, okay, this is what I wanted to talk about last week. So there's this guy on Twitter. Now, I normally don't like anything ghost stories because I am a geek face who, even when not alone in my home, I still freak out once I'm home. Like if I went to see a scary movie, I would come home and freak out. And then I would assume anyone in my house has somehow been turned into a demon and they're there to trick me. Like I truly freak out. And if I'm by myself, I'm looking over my shoulder every second because I swear I feel an energy behind me. Now, I have actually been in in places that are historic and, and I think I grew up in a house that was a little bit haunted, but I know the difference between I actually feel a presence there because it's when you're not thinking about anything, you're not actually thinking about being haunted and you're like, oh, oh, and you get this weird feeling. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, I am making it happen by obsessing. You know what I mean? Like I'm scaring myself is the words. So anyway, I don't normally like this stuff. 
even though hotels are probably haunted, they're at least haunted by the person that was there before you, whose germs are all over the remote. But even though hotels may or may not be haunted, I don't ever get a sense of history in a hotel because it's designed to just, hey, you're checking in. And um, even if it's an old, you know what I mean? Unless it's an old inn. But otherwise, I'm just like, sure, sure. It's a new building. Probably it's fine. So I was staying in hotels in New York when I found this guy's uh, Twitter account. And I was reading it and I wasn't scared at all. And then I got home to LA and I realized, oh, I had a little new habit, which was reading this guy's tweets before I started going to bed. And then I read it in bed the other night by myself. And I was like, oh, I can't turn the light off. And so I didn't turn the light off. And then I fell asleep and I woke up at 1 a.m. And I was like, why did I wake up? It was because the light was shining in my face. Then I turned it out and I felt like, you know, like kind of when you wake up after being asleep, oh, duh, obviously, um, you're a little more calm, like your body's not quite back to normal. So it's like, I'm a little more badass in that moment. Like, yeah, turn the light off because I'm too sleepy to be scaring myself. So this guy, his name is Adam Ellis and he's on Twitter as at Moby underscore dickhead. Now, he wrote something weeks ago and I think this is the first tweet I saw and I was like, what is this about? And, and I think someone had retweeted this and I just want to get that out of the way. He gives a little disclaimer. He says, um, good morning. I thought I'd clarify a couple things for new followers. First of all, I am alive. Secondly, I've tested the apartment for carbon monoxide. So I know I'm not slowly being poisoned. Last, I have a book coming out next year, but it has nothing to do with this ghost. This isn't viral marketing. It's just a book of funny comics, like comics, not comedians, but you know. Um, so I hope that clears things up. I'll keep you all updated should more weird stuff occur. Okay. So. Here it is. And I think it's on BuzzFeed too, but he put it as a storify at the top of his Twitter page. So I'm going to read it to you. And then I want you guys to weigh in on the I Seem Fun Facebook page if you've been following this and if you think it's real. Because what I find fun now, this isn't a debate if ghosts exist. Let's just, in order to have this conversation, we have to just decide for the sake of this particular conversation, ghosts exist, Okay. So what I'm wondering, is this guy faking it to, for some reason, make a story or conduct a grand Twitter experiment? Or is it real? Not, is it real? There must be ghosts. But in the reality of this question, is it real? Meaning there is something weird happening and he doesn't know what it is and, and he's taping it. So, okay. So here it is. Um. Wait, what is happening? Wait, what's he doing? Ah, sorry. Where does it start? Oh my God, I was reading this last night and now it's... Oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind right now. Okay, he's fucked this up. I'm going to just take... I'm just going to scroll down his Twitter. Sorry, guys. All right, so here's what happened. 
And you have to go to his Twitter feed because there's pictures, there's videos. So it started on um, August 7th. He said, so, and I'm reading this. These are a bunch of tweets, you know, strung together. So my apartment is currently being haunted by the ghost of a dead child, and he's trying to kill me, thread. He started appearing in dreams, but I think he's crossed over into the real world now. The first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis and saw a child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. Now, I'm going to stop this here. After Trump got elected, I went through a phase where I was having nightmares and I was having sleep paralysis. And I, in the sleep paralysis, I saw people in my room standing over me, like holding me down. But that was the dream. Like sleep paralysis is when you're half dreaming and you wake up and you feel like you can't move. You especially feel like you're being held down. So I do think in his sleep paralysis mode, like that probably wasn't real. Anyway, I'm swinging. Okay, so the first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis and saw a child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. He had a huge misshapen head that was dented on one side. I did my best to draw it. He drew a picture of it. It's creepy. For a while, he just stared at me, but then he got out of the chair and started shambling toward the bed. I couldn't move because I was paralyzed. I have sleep paralysis fairly often. It sucks. Right before he reached my bed, I woke up screaming. Okay, so he acknowledges that he was dreaming it. And I think, honestly, like, let's say in the world of there is a ghost... They can come to us in our sleep, I think. And so that's scary. Okay, go on. I had another dream a few nights later where I was in a library and a girl came up to me and said, you've seen dear David, haven't you? I was like, who? And she said, dear David, you saw him. She continued, he's dead. He only appears at midnight and you can ask him two questions if you say dear David first. Then she added, but never try to ask him a third question or he'll kill you. Then David came back in another dream. Same situation. I was in bed and he was sitting in the rocking chair near the window, staring at me. In the dream, I say, dear David, how did you die? He mumbles an accident in a store. I say, dear David, what happened in the store? He groans. A shelf was pushed on my head. I'm frozen with fear. I ask, who pushed the shelf? David doesn't answer. I realize that I've asked a third question, which I'm not supposed to do. At that point, I wake up absolutely terrified. Now, I've been reading some tweet comments about this. The third question, he doesn't say, Dear David. And I think that if he had started the third question with Dear David, he would be killed. So that's what makes me think that this is an elaborate Twitter thing because he's going to, when he ends it, he's going to say, The reason I wasn't killed is because I didn't say, Dear David, on the third question, but you guys kept following me to see if I would die, but you guys didn't pick up on the. I, I don't know. I just don't believe this totally. Okay. The next couple days, I Googled deaths in the city, but I can't find anything about a kid named David dying in a store. Deaths in the city is my favorite show. Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, Miranda, they're all dead. And they're like, dating's harder dead than it is alive. I'm all, I'm a crusty zombie. Oh, of course, guys want the models and not me. Mr. Big just dumped me because he said he doesn't know where I am. I'm like, I'm over here. He's like, well, I can't date a ghost. And I'm like, sure, but you can date a 22-year-old. Okay, sorry. 
Could I get through reading his thread? Apparently not. Okay, so the guy says, the next couple of days I Google deaths in the city, but can't find anything about a kid named David dying in a store. I even try different names. Daniel, Dylan, Devin, nothing. A few weeks go by without incident. Sort of randomly, the apartment above mine is vacated and I have the opportunity to move into it. It's a larger apartment, so I'm thrilled. Another month or two goes by and I sort of forget about dear David. I think he lost track of me because I moved upstairs. But lately, something strange is happening. For the past four months, my cats gather at the front door at exactly midnight and just stare at it, almost like something is on the other side. And there's a picture. Last night, I got a weird feeling and looked out the peephole, and I'm dead certain I saw movement on the other side. When I opened the door and turned on the hall light, nothing was there, but my cat seemed unnerved, bushy tails, etc. And that's where I am right now. Dear David found me, I think. I don't know what to do. I'll keep you updated. Update next day, August 8th. For the sixth night in a row, my cat has walked over to the door promptly at midnight and stared at it. So he's holding a clock that says midnight. His cat's staring at the door. I mean, okay. What is going on? And he makes a video. And this is terrifying. The cat is just like freaking out. Oh, I thought he was going to meow. Hang on. The cat is just staring at the door and acting really strange and like looks like it's getting up the courage to go over and sniff the door and it's still not what it's so slowly okay now it's sniffing the door is this the one where he meows really crazy yeah you probably can't hear it okay so i took a photo through the peephole because i'm too scared to open the door i feel like i saw something I couldn't tell, so I mustered the courage to open the door. <clears throat> Nothing was out there, but I took another photo. Look at this. Is it just me, or is there something in the first photo right where the banister meets the shelves, hiding on the stairs? And he's right. It does, you see a, uh, you see a cloudy image. I wasn't sure if it was a smudge or something, so I took a second photo from inside. There was something out there. You can't make it out, but it's definitely something smudgy looking, but not a smudge on the photo. I deadbolted the lock and got in bed because I didn't know what else to do. I can still hear my cat meowing at the door. Now it's just a picture of his cat in the dark and his eyes are glowing. I am pretty scared. Okay. So then that's it for that night. And I'm kind of like, how could this be fake? Because how could this be real? Because wouldn't you just be like, I'm so fucking scared. I mean, you know, maybe he did call someone after. I know if you like, feel like there it's in your hallway, then you're not going to run out the door. But I don't know. I just was like, I don't know if I'd buy this. Okay. So then somebody writes, is there a chance that you're seeing in the hallway as another cat? And he said, nope, I live in a house. There's no real way for an animal to be in the hall. But he said he had an, there's an apartment upstairs. Maybe it's one of those duplex places. And then someone said, but you said the apartment above you vacated. And he said, it's like a duplex. It's an old house that was converted into two apartments. Okay. So then we go to August 9th. He says, it's been pretty quiet tonight. I'm going to try out a sleep talk app to see if anything happens during the night. I'm heading to bed, but the cats are back at the door. You can see a picture. They only do this in the middle of the night. It's routine now. And then he says, uh, the next morning, the app picked up way too much noise last night. Cars on the street, subways. I'm going to alter the settings and try again tonight. Okay. 
So then he says, oh, wait, we've already read this part. Okay. Sorry, guys. I know you're like, why is she doing this? I'm just fascinated. But okay. So then now he's excited because Rachel Dratch is tweeting about it. Okay. So then he says, and here we go. Just minutes before midnight, another video. Now both cats are in on it acting totally nuts. Just they won't stop meowing. Okay. Uh, Maxwell's extra talkative tonight. He obviously is trying to tell me something. Yeah, because the cat is looking at the door and then looking back at him, like meowing at him. And they're both there now, both cats at the door. I don't know if this is the right kind of salt. So he salts in front of the door, the, the door jam at the bottom. Um, I used a sound app to record my apartment last night. This is August 11th. It makes individual recordings each time. And here's something. There were 33 recordings. Most of them are pretty vague. A couple of them are passing cars, but there are three that I'm interested in. The first is a snapping sound and what seems like a single step. It's odd because I didn't get out of bed all night. I heard it. It could be his cat. This one is weird because out of 33 recordings is the only one that has that strange electric sound throughout. I heard that one. This directly follows the electric static, another snap, then I groan in my sleep. I heard that one. These happen between 2 and 3 a.m. I have no explanation for them. I'll keep recording and share if I find anything curious. Okay. I'm going to, out of town this weekend, so ghost tweets will be sparse for a bit, but I'm ordering sage for next week. I'm also in touch with some paranormal professionals. I'll get to the bottom of this. He also bought a Ouija board, even though people are warning against it. No plans to use it, but at least I have it. Okay. Then he's like, peace out. I'm getting into my apartment for the weekend. Then he's back August 12th. And so another thing he did was he started taking Polaroids. So August 13th, I bought a Polaroid camera this weekend because they're fun and dorky. I decided to take a few photos around my apartment. Polaroids and stupid and fun and inherently sort of creepy. I didn't expect to find anything. For the most part, I didn't. I took a couple of my living room and bedroom. That's the rocking chair I first saw David in. They're pretty unremarkable. Then I went into the hallway and snapped a photo. The Polaroid developed completely black. I even ripped open and destroyed a fresh pack to see if it was just an underdeveloped Polaroid, but they start out white. I also thought maybe I accidentally covered the lens with my finger, so I took a photo while intentionally covering it. The photo on the left is me covering the lens with my finger. The one on the right is my fully lit hallway taken just after midnight. So the one covering the lens is more purpley and gray, and it looks like a finger over a lens. The other one is just black, like, like a photo that got exposed. He said, so this could be nothing. I'm, sh I'm not sure what to make of it. I'll record myself sleeping again tonight, and I have Sage being delivered tomorrow. Then he does, okay, one last thing. I wanted to double check. Here's a couple of videos of me taking photos. He does it again, and then the hallway. It came out totally black again for the second time, and you can see the videos. Honestly, I don't know why I'm still fucking around with this camera. There might be a logical explanation. Someone told me to take photos from farther away, so I tried that, once with my iPhone and once with the Polaroid. With my iPhone, the hall light was on both times, but it was pitch black when he took the picture with the Polaroid, but with his iPhone, the hallway is photographed. So then he's saging the apartment and the hall and the rocking chair. He says he's been having trouble sleeping. He kept waking up feeling like something's wrong. And then he says the sage didn't work. 
Uh, He said he dreamt about David again last night. This is August 15th. In my dream, my bedroom was filled with hazy smoke, but I could see David sitting in the chair across the room. He was smaller this time, almost shrunken. He didn't do or say anything except look at me. Anyway, it feels like a bad omen. Um, and then he said, apparently strange faces have been showing up in some of the photos I take. So he republishes the photos and he's showing where people pointed out a weird face. And yeah, one of them, do, it do, I don't know. You guys have to go to this. I want to know what everybody thinks. He said, uh, August 17th, it's been two weeks and he still does this every night at midnight. He's talking about his cat. Other weird stuff has been happening too. I've been recording myself sleeping and it picks up this weird static electricity sound every night at 3 a.m. at last five minutes. This morning, I woke up to the whole house shaking. It felt like a small earthquake. I debated even mentioning that on Twitter because it sounds made up, but I distinctly, distinctly felt the house swaying. It's just a whole bunch of small things happening at once. I feel so uneasy, like right before a thunderstorm. Everyone is telling me to move, but I don't have any guarantee that this won't follow me. And then that's the last he updated. And it's like, why? Then whenever anyone's like, why don't you update more? He's like, I have a job. (laughs) So I don't know. What do you guys think? Weigh in. I'd love to talk about it. This guy is very hush-hush about it. Um, Dr. Drew's wife, Susan Pinsky, she has a podcast called Calling Out. She's like, so into psychics and mediums and like she hangs with them and the podcast is about like getting a psychic reading and I was telling her about this and she was like I'm gonna try to get him on the show and she's like you know like she believes in all the shit she's like so if it's an evil spirit like it could be attached to him no matter where he goes I have a friend who's an exorcist and and she's like do you know him I'm like I don't know him at all she's like you should go to his place when you're in New York I'm like I'm not getting involved I don't want to go anywhere near any of this shit lordy no So we'll keep y'all updated on that. Um, Yeah. Our mind can definitely uh, play tricks on us. But sometimes our mind is not doing anything tricky. And we are just in a place where we might need some help. We might be like, I don't know, my candidate for therapy, I mean, I don't feel like I'm crazy. I feel like people in this day and age still think therapy is about being crazy, you know? And I don't think it is. It's it's tools, baby. You know, we were raised by every generation that raises each new generation is not equipped with everything you need to know. And plus, not even a generational thing. I mean, psychiatry is a, is a science, you know? You're, not everyone's parents is a scientist. Everyone's born with their own brain. You, you might have things you just always felt like you needed to talk about. And that's why I love our sponsor, Talkspace, because it can be hard to get to a therapist's office. I know it can be expensive. And that is why I'm like, thank God for the internet. Yes, there's creepy guys who uh, want to look at pictures of women's feet. But there's also awesome things on the internet like Talkspace.com. We need to take better care of ourselves all around Mental health is no exception. That's why today's sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company, makes it easy to connect with an experienced, licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for as little as $32 a week. So here's what you can do. You can send your therapist text, audio, and video messages, or even do a live video chat. I got to tell you, as someone who goes to therapy, you can't text an audio message your therapist. Uh, so this is amazing. The, the Talkspace therapist, they're in some ding dong that just, you know, I'm pretty good with psychology. It's not that. They are fully licensed. They go through a rigorous screening process. In addition, 
to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code Jen to get $30 off your first month and show your support for this podcast. That's Jen, J-E-N, and Talkspace.com slash Jen. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. All right. Well, you know, everyone's been talking about the world ending and nuclear war. And I know I'm a couple of weeks late on this. I told you I'm paranoid because I'm like, and everyone's talking about like, oh my God, Kim Jong-un, we're going to have a nuclear war. And I'm just now I'm like, I don't even know that it's a proper conspiracy theory that's out there, but I just have my own conspiracy theories. That's like, I think, I think North Korea and Russia are in cahoots in terms of like, supplying arms to think like I the and and I just feel like there's no real thing with North Korea. Like what people forget is they always fire missiles. It's happened all throughout Obama, all throughout Bush. That that's what they do. They've always been trying to get the technology. And lately it was like they can put the small nuke on a warhead. And then I heard that that was kind of propaganda. Usually we can sort out their propaganda. Like they've told their citizens, you know, we can destroy the world, but we we know the truth. But um, they're always shooting off things. But the reason you may not have paid much attention to it before. See, this is how much I'm not afraid of nuclear war. I'm yawning. Is that Trump is reacting to it over Twitter. And the world is reacting but I don't think it's real. I don't think, I mean, I think his reactions are real. And I think Kim Jong-un is actually shooting missiles, but I'm saying, I don't think we're in any danger of us really bombing each other. Um, I don't know why. Um, but I understand that Trump can shoot nuclear missiles without Congress's approval. I know that. I just don't believe that he's in charge of that. I just have this feeling. I don't know. And I also think that um, they're doing it to show they're tough guys and that it's all sort of orchestrated. That's my own crazy conspiracy theory. I don't think it's crazy, but it's not founded in anything. Um, I'm also just not worried, maybe because I can't comprehend it, but there's just something about everyone online. Like, I am full on terrified at Trump tweeting about nuclear war. Where I was like, I don't feel it. I, I don't feel, and I started to feel self conscious. Like, why aren't I afraid of nuclear war? And if you've read my book, seen my show, you know that I freaked out about it as a kid. So maybe I've gotten all the worrying out of my brain for a lifetime, or maybe I'm accepted that it could, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just totally in denial, but I know that there's one night people were like, there's going to be nuclear war. And I was like, okay, well I'm skipping my Pilates class tonight. No need to go to that. If there's going to be a nuclear war. Um, and I was like, now I'm, beginning my, uh, what I call iron woman diet for the, for the tour so that it, it's mo- it's mostly for my reflux. So I have my last glass of wine was at my Jen Kirkman. Um, what do you call it? What do you call it? The lab test show, which by the way, because I had to cancel in July and a lot of the tickets were held over to August. Um, it said it was sold out. It was not <clears throat> full. I mean, it was pretty full but we could have fit 10, 15 more people in there. So 
Even though September already says it's sold out, I promise you guys, when people buy a $5 ticket that early, they're not that committed to it. Like, please show up the night of if you want to come to that show. Do not let the sold out freak you out. They'll, they'll let you in. I promise. Just come. Okay. Yeah, because the next um, lab test show is Wednesday, October, Wednesday, September 13th. Sorry. Two days after 9-11. Yeah, it's already sold out. It's not. Just come. $5 at the door. Okay, anyway. So I'm, I, you know, I usually don't drink a lot anyways because hormones, I'm always trying to keep my weight down. Drinking is like, oh, I'm going out. Since there was so many like people to see in New York, it's always like, let's have drinks. So there's not a lot of like, just a glass of wine by myself after work because that would just be like, you know, that's how the pounds pack on. But this one night I was like, I don't feel like dealing with anyone. But I feel like sitting by myself and just like reading the news on my phone or reading Twitter. And so I went to this cafe in Brooklyn. Oh God, sorry. And I was sitting outside. I'm just getting a mall back after mall back. And I'm like, why am I drinking multiple glasses of wine by myself? Like, what am I doing? And I'm like, wow, they say the world could end tomorrow. It's like, it's not gonna. And I'm just gonna have a hangover because I get hungover very easily. Three glasses of wine for me is like an all day hangover. Even if I have water after, it's like, I feel off the whole day. And this table next to me, um, I was just kind of listening to them and they were talking about it. And they turned to me at one point, they're like, you can join us if you want. I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't want us to be like antisocial at the end of the world. I don't know. I just was just like, I don't feel, usually that kind of stuff like brings out the community. And whenever I'm in LA, I look at what's going on in New York and I'm like, oh my God, there's such community. And then I was there and I'm like, I just like to watch the, like, it was just that one night. But, oh, and then I didn't participate in the Trump Tower protest. And I have to admit, like, well, one of them was at 9 p.m. and I had to get up at 3 a.m., like six hours later to get on a plane. And then once I was landing in L.A., I had from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., like nonstop stuff booked. So it was like, I'm going to be awake 24 hours. I cannot go to this protest. But there was one the night before that I actually didn't know about until... And it's amazing. Like I'm in New York. I'm on the Lower East Side. There's a protest in Midtown and I didn't know about it. But it was just so great because people were outside Trump Tower to the tune of let's go, let's go, wait, let's go Yankees. Let's go. They're like, New York hates you. Fuck you. That's what they were saying to Trump. I don't even know. I mean, does it get to him? Probably not like he has to walk through it. I mean, you know, I assume there's a helipad or a, there must be some sneaky thing, not even to do with him being president. I just assume he's always sneaking around in there. Anywho, I enjoyed that. Um, let's read the vows. Yeah. So my new thing is like every day, it's like, start my morning, read this guy's ghost Twitter and refresh and see who's been kicked out of the Trump, uh, you know, family. What do you call it? Administration? The whole Steve Bannon thing. I'm just like. The dude is so fucking evil. He's like that guy who might have a ghost attached to him. Like, it doesn't matter where Steve Bannon goes. He's causing chaos and evil everywhere. So in a world, was it better for him to be in the White House? I mean, no, because he was the one supplying Trump with 
his talking points, but he can still do that. Anyone could. I don't know. I just, he's a frightening man. Okay. And have you read that article about his home where like the acid in the bathtub and like possible like weird prostitution ring going on there? It's very disturbing. I'm sorry I keep yawning. I'm not even tired. It must be some kind of, I'm boring myself. So this is New York Times. Uh, wedding vows from August 11th. Why do I say vows? Oh, I guess that's the name of the column. That's why I say it. But they're not really vows. It's a story. I don't, I don't get it. She's 98. He's 94. They met at the gym. And it's a picture of them being married and kissing. I mean, not like making out. They're like, mm. Okay. Gertrude Makatoff and Alvin Mann. I love those old-fashioned names. Were introduced eight years ago at a gym in Middletown, New York, where they still work out twice a week. A mutual friend to me said, I'd like you to meet a very nice young lady. <laughs> She's older than him. Mr. Mann recalled after chopping wood one recent morning in his mountaintop home in nearby Cudabackville, New York. So dude, eight years ago, 86, is chopping wood. What are you doing, you lazy fuck? On their first date, he drove her to a restaurant in Middletown called Something Sweet. He was a perfect gentleman, she said, and he added, there was something about her that made me want to keep on talking. Oh, in a heartbeat, they became an item, talking about dreams and goals and sharing a life together. Mr. Mann, who had seen the world through the eyes of a young United States merchant seaman, returned home from troubled seas and found enough peace and quiet in Cudbackville to focus on getting a college degree. Ms. Makatoff, five years his senior, had designed a home on a high ridge in Middletown, or Middleton, and was eager to fill it with good company. I kept getting teased about dating a cougar, Mr. Mann said, laughing. Oh, they have fun. But the age difference never really bothered me. You know, you're four years apart in your 90s. I mean, what are you going to be like? She's too old. Uh, he probably, you know, some men would. Uh, never really bothered me because we just hit it off and I wasn't about to let her go. He held on tighter with each passing season, and then in June, after one of their many late-night drives home from the Metropolitan Opera House in Manhattan, she decided to buck tradition. And there's a photo of her with a garter up over her knee, pulling her dress up. The bride showing off her garter at the reception. I asked him to marry me, she said with a chuckle. I was tired of chasing after him. He obliged her on August 5th at Middletown City Hall, where they exchanged vows before Mayor Joseph Stefano and 50 family members and close friends. Fred Fox, the bride's older brother, Jesus Christ, she's 98, who lives in Los Angeles, could not attend, but sent along best wishes to his little sister. What is the, What are these people eating? What's their secret? When the guitarist begins drumming somewhere over the rainbow, oh my God. Ms. Makatoff, clutching a small bouquet of white roses, emerged from a side room and began walking slowly toward her future husband, his eyes welling with tears. Oh my God, when you're that old, you know, like I got probably five years left. Like there's something so beautiful to me about marriage and love at that age when it's, you know, when it's new. I mean, not when it's old, it's fine too, but like at a new thing, like you still, the human spirit still goes on, even though you know your time's limited. That I just, It's so sweet. Um, everyone in the courtroom was smiling, especially Father Time. 
This is like an early... I didn't say that. That's the person who wrote this. This is like an early birthday gift, Miss Mokotov said before joining hands with Mr. Mann. She was looking ahead to August 20th, a day when the newlyweds will most likely have to work together to blow out the candles on Ms. Mokotov's birthday cake, all 99 of them. It's like, bitch, are you going to marry me or what? I'm 99 up in here. So I'm 99, 98. It's just a number, Ms. Mokotov said. But today, I'm still 98, right? So let's not rush things. Mr. Mann, who is 94 and received a bachelor's degree in history last year from Mount St. Mary College in Newburgh, New York, agreed that when it comes to being old as opposed to feeling old, the numbers don't always add up the same. Yeah, these two are a hot fucking ticket, dude. They're the cutest. Age doesn't mean a damn thing to me or to Gert, he said. We don't see it as a barrier. We still do what we want to do in life. Long before they were introduced in the gym, the lives of Ms. Mokotov, a former mayor of Middleton, and Mr. Mann, a retired businessman, had fully taken shape. Both are widowed from previous marriages, and they have seven children, 12 grandchildren, and seven great-grandchildren between them. People always ask what it is that keeps us young, <coughs> says a 40 40- now three-year-old woman coughing to death. Uh, people always ask what it is that keeps us young, Mr. Mann said. Of course, one part of it is medical science. But the bigger part is that we live worry-free lives. We do not let anything we cannot control bother us in the least. That's what I told you guys. Don't worry about nuclear war, dudes. Ah, oh, my computer's freaking out. Ms. Makatov, who was born in Brooklyn in 1918 to Anna Fox and Abraham Fox, a tailor, graduated from Brooklyn College and received a master's degree in biology from Columbia. As a 23-year-old in 1941, she married Reuben Makatov, a cardiologist from Manhattan, where they lived until 1952. She then persuaded him to relocate his practice to Middleton, where Ms. Makatov would become a wildly popular and well-regarded figure. For more than three decades, she was a biology professor teaching medical technology and microbiology at Orange County Community College in Middleton, where she is now a trustee. She also started the first training program for electron micro... microscopy technicians, all while raising four children. This broad can do some shit. Instead of simply retiring in her late 60s, Ms. Makatov decided to give politics a try and twice was elected an alderwoman in Middletown, winning her second election by a single vote. She went on to become city council president, and in 1989, at age 71, she became Middletown's first female mayor, serving back-to-back two-year terms. She later ran unsuccessfully for New York State Senator. You go, girl! As mayor, she was credited with spearheading the creation of a modern library in town. There's a librarian. And for refurbishing and revitalizing the old Paramount Theater, which was built in the 1930s. She had been married for 61 years at the time of her husband's death in 2002. My mother has always been a very bold woman, said the bride's oldest child and maid of honor, Susan Makatov Riverby, 71, herself retired after a 34 career in women's and gender studies at Wellesley. She always had an interest in helping other people. Despite being a Democrat in a largely Republican town, she was still elected mayor, which gives you a pretty good idea as to how people around here felt about her. Mr. Mann was born in Manchester, New Hampshire on May 24th, 1923. The son of May Mann and Hyman Mann, hell of a name, an insurance executive, he joined the war effort in 1943 as a 19-year-old, eventually serving as a second engineer aboard cargo ships, tankers, and troops during World War II. And now he can live in an America where they idolize Nazis. Isn't that great? These heroes get to see these freaks. 
It was a scary time, he said. There were other ships sinking all around us. I was one of the lucky ones who was able to come home. Already married by the time he was honorably discharged in 1947, he opened a business in Manhattan, a temporary office services incorporated that provided short-term secretarial and clerical help to other businesses. In 1960, Mr. Mann, who said he could never stand living in the city, purchased his country home in Kudbackville, I don't know, in the foothills of the Catskill Mountains, which he calls a little piece of heaven. Mr. Mann's first marriage, which lasted 20 years before ending in divorce, produced his only biological child, Mark Mann, now 71, who served as best man. His second marriage to Maybell Cart, an art historian and artist from Great Neck, New York, who had two daughters, lasted 45 years until her death in 2007. Last year, Mr. Mann became the oldest person to graduate from Mount St. Mary College. The college also awarded him an honorary doctorate this past May. In 93, he drove 80 miles round trip twice a week for nearly two and a half years to accrue the 30 credits needed to obtain a degree he had started working on in his 70s. He racked up 60 credits at nearby Palm Beach State College, where he owned another home in Tequesta, Florida, and 30 more credits at Florida Atlantic University before finishing up at Mount St. Mary. We studied many historical events like World War II and the Vietnam and Korean Wars, but this was stuff I had actually lived through, Mr. Mann said. No wonder I aced most of my exams. Keith Schuler, who had been Mr. Mann's neighbor for the past 20 years, called him an inspiration and an incredible human being. This man is 94 years old, and I see him outside chopping down trees, dragging logs out of the woods with his old Ford tractor, stacking firewood and cutting the grass, Mr. Schuler said. Then I see him and Gert running around like two high school sweethearts, holding hands and kissing, and driving to New York City on weekends. If I didn't see with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. What a perv this neighbor is. Mr. Schuler was on hand at City Hall for the ceremony, which he called a once-in-a-lifetime event, along with other guests who range in age from a seven-month-old great-grandson, to the bride herself. Her older brother, Fred, is 103. He's the one that's still living. What the fuck? During the ceremony, the groom entertained his guests with several stories about his new bride, including her, her, her first ever sleepover at his home. Ooh. We had spent the day together. Start with that story, people. Not all the wood chopping. We had spent the whole day together, and at night, I set up the bedroom for her, and I was going to be in the next room, Mr. Mann said. She gets into bed, and I say goodnight and start walking out, and she says, where are you going? This is one feisty bitch. After exchanging vows and wedding rings, the couple were showered with applause, well wishes, and hugs as several of the guests began to cry. Their enthusiasm is contagious, and their certainty of a destiny together is inspiring. Well, I mean, how much longer are they? Said Mayor Stefano. We ask that the vision they have for one another always reflects the attraction that first brought them together before pronouncing them man and wife. After the ceremony, Mr. Mann managed to slip out a back door and moments later reappeared in front of City Hall behind the wheel of his red Toyota Corolla. As the guests began spilling onto the sidewalk, he stepped on the gas pedal and zipped past them down the street, noisily dragging soda cans tied to the back bumper below a sign that read, Just Married. He took it for a spin around the block before returning to pick up his new wife. That's weird. This is fabulous, said Charles Makatoff, the bride's son, an internationally known classical guitarist. Shortly thereafter, the couple and their guests resurfaced at John's Harvest Inn, a nearby restaurant where the reception was held. Just before dinner, the bride raised the roof and the groom's eyebrows when she sat in a chair and hiked up her wedding dress. She's so saucy! Just above her knee to reveal that she was wearing a garter. Very nice, Mr. Mann said, his cheeks turning as red as his Corolla. I must admit, I like it. The groom was then asked how his life might change now that he's a married man again. 
Nothing is going to change, Mr. Mann said, taking his wife's hand as he spoke. We've already done so much together, and let's face it, we both know that neither of us are likely to find anyone else, he said with a grin. So from here on out, it's just the two of us together for the remaining days of our lives. I love it. I have a little twist of darkness at the end. You know, the remaining days of our lives. Let's not fucking shit around here, people. Oh, I hope that was inspiring to you. Certainly inspiring to me. Just all the activity these people do as they get older. So stay inspired, stay energetic, stay young. Till next week, have fun.